Riley, and I am your host of Love, Lust, and Laughter. I am very, very happy because Dr. Paul Johannides is on the show today. And in my book, Love in the Time of Corona, I have a whole chapter, chapter eight, called Learn More About Sex. And uh, how the how-to guides, I write Guide to Getting It On, Unzipped by Paul Johannides. And I write, this is the first book I recommend to my clients. It's possibly the best book ever written about sex. This comprehensive book is a fun read filled with entertaining illustrations and detailed hands-on information about all kinds of sexual practices. Well, and then I reveal that even though I've been uh, a PhD um, <clears throat> therapist for 40 years, I learned some new things and I have used his book often. Dr. Paul, welcome to back to the program. It's been a few years and I'm so glad you're back. Hello. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's quite an honor and uh, it's wonderful to hear your voice. Thank you. Thank you so much. And you um, are a blogger for um, Psychology Today, and you have your own blog on um, getting uh, Guide to Getting It On. You've got your blog there, and we're going to take several of your blogs as kind of a guide because we're going to focus on the unfortunate state of sex education. And you write in one of your blogs, and I want to mention this as we start, um, for many young adults, sex education is a bizarre combination of abstinence only and porn. For women, this has resulted in a heavy dose of shame from abstinence only mixed with the idea, well, anyway, it goes on. So we're going to talk about the state of sex education and redefining sex education, which is one of your blogs. And um, so let's talk about that um, because you asked two questions. How can we deliver sex education to today's teens and young adults on their turf and in ways they consume information? And how do we make sex education effective for people whose main source of sex education is porn? This, these are huge topics. Get us started, Dr. Paul. <laughs> well, first of all, I, I think it's important to say that there's absolutely nothing wrong with watching and enjoying porn. Um, whether you're by yourself, it's a great uh, masturbation aid, or if you're with a uh, partner, uh, sometimes it's, it's uh, kind of a great way to kick things off with a partner or enjoy and expand things. I'm so sorry, we've got dogs barking. Oh, and um, I've got sirens. It shows you live in the country and I live in the city. You <laughs> well, that's, um, that's all right. Go on. I'm, so I'm hoping my dog will stop. My wife will stop the, the dogs before the sirens stop. Um, anyway, what where we've where we've gone is um, we, we, we've got a situation where porn is not the problem. It's our failure to acknowledge that porn has become the sex educator of just about every uh, every kid in middle school or earlier. And here's the here's the problem with that. Um, okay, when when you're growing up and you drive with your mom and dad, hopefully you know that there's a big difference between the way they drive and the way that they drive when you're watching the Fast and Furious. Um, you know, chances are your mom doesn't have a button that she pushes that uh, kicks in the nitrous and she suddenly flies over traffic or is going 190 <laughs> miles an hour, right? Wouldn't that uh, be a great fantasy? It, yeah. it, it would be kind of cool, but it, it probably probably doesn't happen for most mm -hmm. people. No, no. And, and so you grow up knowing the difference between what's entertainment and what's real. But with porn, how do you know that? It, it looks like it's real. You know, you're seeing real naked bodies. Um, how do you know that there's, you know, you end up thinking, wow, that's the way I need to be when I'm having sex. Well, there's a little problem with that is that there's no foreplay. There's no fun. There's no conversation. There's no consent in porn. Uh, 
and you say, oh, well, wh why not watch feminist porn? Well, I find feminist porn to be boring as all hell. Um, it, you know, if you want to watch porn, you want to get to the good stuff really fast. And uh, but, but, but Paul, this is more of a male perspective, is it not? I don't know. Uh, I bet there's lots of women who'd watch feminist porn and be bored to death. Um, you you got to understand what we watch visually yes. is way different from what we experience in real life. Visually, you've got a flat screen. That's it. You've right. got it needs to it needs to really it needs to be like a video game um, in order to keep your attention. Uh, if it's slow and you're slowly massaging each other, giving each other a foot rub, if you're laughing, if you're kissing, uh, you're going to turn that off pretty darn quick because it's kind of boring usually if that's what you're you're hoping for porn, right? Yeah. So, so uh, it, it, there's a there's a real difference, and yet we're not we're not even allowed to talk to kids about sexual pleasure, let alone talk about hey. You know that porn you're watching and jerking off to. Well, it, it's not really the way you want to have sex in a in a real life relationship. Um, first of all, the the fact that you're not getting consent and you're not talking to a partner about what she wants to do, and the fact is, you you know, the second you get an erection, you stick it whatever you want in her body. Um, that's actually against the law now. <laughs> uh, that can get you arrested. So. You and, mean and, without consent, without some kind of conversation. First. Right. Without conversation, yeah. without consent. consent. And also also the fact of, you know, most women don't like a guy to come in their face. No, they don't. That's, I guess, the money shot. They don't like that. Yeah. But if, uh, you know, if you grow up watching porn, you think that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. um, and women who grow up watching porn think, well, that's what I'm supposed to ask him to do. or That's what I'm supposed to want him to do. Mm -hmm. um and so there uh uh and and actually now we've we've reached a new kind of uh when a woman punts it used to be she'd maybe give a guy a hand job and say that's it uh instead of i don't i don't want to have intercourse with you you know she'd kind of get him off her back by giving him a hand job not that not that that's a good way to go. She should just be able to say, no, I don't want to have sex right now. Mm -hmm. But we, we all know there's a different reality, especially when you're you know, teenagers and you don't want to get, uh, as a woman, a reputation that you're a prude or um, anything like that. Well, now the new hand job has become the blow job. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so a, a, a way a, a woman will say, no, I don't want to have intercourse is, hey, I'll give you a blow job instead. Well, mm -hmm. she shouldn't have to do that. Uh, but that's that's kind of more where we're at. And, and we're not we're not even allowed to talk about blowjobs or hand jobs in sex education um, to teenagers because, you know, you'll get fired from the school district. Yeah, you you say that in one of in your blog, Redefining Sex Education. Bring up pleasure, orgasms, and masturbation, and you'll be fired faster than you can say tea party, you know, if you're the sex educator. Because yeah, just, that, that there was, isn't, yeah. That was uh, a blog several years ago. Now it wouldn't be tea party. I'd say QAnon. Um, yes, you would. That was, uh, uh, that was, um, <laughs> that was 2014, right? <laughs> yes. In my how things have changed and how they've not changed. Right? How they've not changed too. Exactly. But uh, so, Hopefully, if your if your listeners are parents, they will start to talk to their kids and not shame them for watching porn. But don't for a minute believe that if you've got a twelve or thirteen year old boy, he's not watching porn. That's crazy. Yeah, he'll look at he'll look at you like what me? Um, yeah, well, you want to you know? <laughs> I wouldn't believe that for a heartbeat. So these are some of the problems we're facing and. Uh, uh, you know, this is compounded now in states where the, the uh, you know, in certain red states where they're actually looking at not only taking down sex education, but uh, preventing women from using effective birth control. So that is like, very frightening. Whoa. That is very frightening. 
whoa, so we've got all sorts of things that we need to be talking to young adults about, mm-hmm. and we're not. So. We're not, and uh, and it it really does have um, an effect. Um, we because the misinformation you write about this too about sex, it's just rampant. And you write something kind of clever. I suspect there is more misinformation about sex on Reddit than the entire history of the universe combined, as well as credible information. But how can a person tell which is which? And I think. That's what that's what kids want to do. And you go to many universities and uh, and schools and other places to lecture. And your book is now in its 10th edition and it's been translated into many uh, uh, languages, including Russia, Russian. You had an interesting conversation. Just let's digress for a moment. Tell, Tell you told me what you told your Russian editor after they invaded Ukraine. What did you tell your Russian editor? You know, I, I, my Russian uh, edition has been wonderful. It's, it's been incredible. Um, I, I love the Russian uh, um, publisher, but they, they, they wanted the 10th edition, which, you know, I just finished. And boy, after, after Ukraine was invaded, I just said, no. No, no, no. What what your country is doing is barbaric and evil, and uh, I can't, you know, I can't be a part of that. I originally thought, well, I'll take any money I get from the Russian edition and and uh, donate it to yeah. Ukraine. But then I just thought, oh no, it just you, you have to draw a line. You have to say this is just wrong, and so. Uh, you know, I've not heard back from them. I'm hoping that my Russian uh, uh, editor left Russia. Uh, a lot of young, intelligent people are leaving Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's just kind of, uh, you know, you, you just have to draw a line. And uh, a lot of times people in in the sex world are so interested in trying to make money, we don't really look at ultimately what's right and what's wrong. Oh, that is very, very sad. Well, let's um, let's go back to the problem, the problem with porn and what it gets wrong, and and it really misleads so many young people, young kids. Well, I, I again, mean, it, it, yeah. it's misleading if it's your source of sex education. Yes. Okay. Uh, and exactly. And, but, and, yes. And we we know that. In, in analyzing just regular mainstream porn, um, something like 75, 80% of the acts are, are actually can be coded as being aggressive towards women or, and, and the women almost never protest. So what you've got is you've got sort of an anti-consent lesson going on. Yeah. Uh, and and that's, a, that's a huge problem. Uh, for the new edition of my book, I thought I'd write the, you know, I, I've had a consent chapter for years. And in fact, my wife said, hell, every page of your book is about consent. Why do you have a separate consent chapter? You don't need one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. but in, in this day and age, we need a consent chapter. I thought it could get it done in two months. It took me almost eight or nine months of really hard work. And I just interviewed dozens and dozens and dozens of women about their experiences. And so I'm um, Actually, on my website, on guide2getting.com, there's a free uh, chapter on consent. New chapter is, is free. You can, you can get that and download it. Unfortunately, I, I apologize. Uh, YouTube just pulled all my videos. So uh, all the videos on, on my website will say, you know, they, they just have a, a blank there that says not available. Um, yeah, and that's so sad. I mean, you've had those, those videos up. For, for well, in some cases for years, my, and then what video, happened? Yeah, my video on the clitoris has had more than 5 million total views. And 5 million? Put, uh, yeah, wow. and my video for, um, it's called, uh, uh, it was it's called, uh, let's see, a, a Woman's Guide to Men's Foreskins, that had 3 million views. Uh, and just, um, but YouTube is a, its own strange universe. 
And when they decide they're going to get rid of you because maybe someone complained or something like that, uh, you're gone. So it's forcing me to rethink how to communicate and how to get out there. And that's that's not a bad thing. We always have to do a better job and figure figure out how to deal with technology in different ways. Yes. But I, I think uh, another thing that I, I was going to say is you're talking about, well, how do we communicate with young adults? Well, if you're someone like me and you've worked uh, 35 years or so on a book and you've got the 10th edition out, you, you need to come to the realization that young males under 30, not many of them read books. Uh, not that exactly. many women under 30 read books. If yeah. you can't if you can't do it in a video that's five minutes or less, you're not going to communicate with them. Uh -huh. I've, I've also given up uh, speaking at colleges. Um, oh. It, in large part because now colleges are almost 70% female. And um, I feel that my job is to try to reach young males and to put my energy that way. And so uh, there are so few young males in colleges these days. It's kind of, if you want to reach young men, you've got to put your energies into something else. And even still, uh, if you if you look at it, in most colleges, some, they, they have a requirement that everyone takes their health course. And if you've got a great college like East Carolina University, where they have a great group of sex educators, then yeah, every male on campus is getting sex education. But in most campuses around the country, sex education courses are electives. And if you ask sex educator uh, or sex therapist, uh, in the instructors, hey, uh, how, what percentage of your course uh, are male students versus female? And they'll say, oh, well, it's about 85% female. So even you're if you're- not reaching, You're not reaching your target audience, are you, Paul? Exactly. And if you, you can say, oh, well, what does that matter? Well, if you look at all of the women in, in the country and in the world who had sex this past week, I'd say 90 to 90, I think 95% of them had sex with a male. So if we're not reaching those guys, we're impacting a ton of women as well as a ton of men. And so uh, here I am with the 10th edition of my book out and it's it's great if you're a couple who reads or likes to, with my book, it's kind of designed to just kind of thumb through and see something you like and then share it. It's not really a cover to cover kind of book because it's so immense. But uh, got to realize that, hey, that's no longer the way we, we, we reach young adults. So time for time to regroup, time to learn something new. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's kind of hard when you're an old fart like me, but it, it also forces you to stay young uh, or at oh, least have a young mind. And you can speak from all these years of experience and writing blogs and teaching sex ed and I mean you've got you've got lots of experience and so don't call yourself an old fart that that's not good. Well, wisdom ball. I, I don't know. I keep learning each edition. I exactly. forced me to learn new things, way new things. Exactly, and I, you know that is one one of the ways that we can successfully age is to remain curious. And that's a really big deal. Got to keep learning and being engaged and, and yeah, remaining curious. And uh, as I said, I quoted myself, quoting my book, that uh, even after 40 years of doing this work um, and, and having a lot of life experience and a number of male sexual partners over the years, in between my marriages, mostly, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and oh, and I was single for all my twenties, so I had a wonderful decade of, of of adventure, sexual adventures. So I I I have a unique situation, but I learned, and I continue to open your book, and it's such easy, fun reading, and you write with a sense of humor, and the illustrations. Tell us about your illustrator because you've had him a long time, and he is brilliant. Well, he he was uh, he used to illustrate, you know, the X Men for Marvel, and oh. uh, uh, he's he's just phenomenal. Uh, he's he's just a master of illustration. But we had to learn how to make the illustrations work. And you say, well, why why is that? Well, 
if you look at the X-Men and a lot of comic book illustrations, the, the, ex, the excellent ones, um, a lot of the characters are posers, which means they're looking out at you, the reader, and saying, hey, look at me, look at me. Rarely do they have chemistry between them on the same page. And so this was a real learning curve for Derek. He had to learn how to make the characters have chemistry with each other and sexual chemistry with each other as opposed to just, hey, look at me. How Look how cool I look. Uh-huh, yes. And, uh, and so, you know, it's not easy, and it's particularly not easy making that happen when the only, the only tool you have is a black line on white paper. Yeah. Now, in the ebook version, he colorized all of them, and that gave him a, a huge palette to work oh. with. Uh, you know, the the, the ebook uh, is on uh, iBooks and and Kindle and on Amazon, and uh, fortunately, I'm able to get, keep it for under ten dollars. And all of the almost two hundred illustrations are colorized, and they're fantastic. They're amazing, but. Um, that is wonderful. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking of one illustration in the book, and I can't find it, but I remember it. And it shows uh, it shows a couple in the shower soaping mm-hmm. each other up, and she's reaching underneath him uh, between his legs. I mean, it's a very, you can just tell they're having fun, they're getting clean, there's a lot of soap bubbles around, but it definitely yeah. conveys connection and sexual chemistry. It does. Uh, yeah, and you... You sure you sure don't get a sense of that from watching porn. No, no, not at all. I mean, you know, it, it's uh, watching. They a porn doesn't get a lot right, and 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 you know because in porn everyone is constantly sexual and aroused in just a second. Um, yeah, and uh, and everyone is just hot to trot and. You know, when when I was uh, when I was speaking at UC Santa Barbara, this was just you know soon before COVID. um, After after my talk, uh, you know, different people came up, but a a young couple came up, and uh, they said, you know, we 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 really want to thank you for your talk. It it made a big difference for us. Mm -hmm. And I I you know I I looked at her and I said, well, how did it make a difference for you? Because I was kind of curious. And she said, well, you know, you talked a lot about foreplay, you know, that concept that maybe a woman needs up to 20 minutes of kissing and caressing first. And she said, I always thought there was something wrong with me because I wasn't ready to have intercourse instantly. And then uh, I asked him and he said, well, you know, you talked about you know, the average guy maybe can last three to eight or nine minutes. That's kind of average. That's cool. He said, I thought there was something wrong with me because I can't last 30 minutes, 20 or 30 minutes. And I said, well, how long do you think you can last during intercourse at a good clip? And he said, well, maybe eight minutes. And okay, so here's this guy who's, you know, that's great. You can last eight minutes. You don't have premature ejaculation yet based on his education from watching porn, he thought he had premature ejaculation. He thought there's something wrong with him. She thought there's something wrong with her based on an education from porn. And these are college students at a major university yep. who have you know, high IQs. Mm-hmm. And I keep hearing this from from college instructors, uh, they, they keep saying, it's hard to believe, but this is the dumbest generation we have ever seen, the most ill-informed regarding sex and sexuality. You know, you, you quoted in your blog, um, women's masturbation, it's nasty. Um, you contacted one of your colleagues and, um, and you, so um, Melissa, Tell yeah. me, so uh, you wrote, well, here, here, she said, I have a lot of friends who'd had sex multiple times with multiple partners and had never had an orgasm. And when I asked them if they ever masturbated, they would gasp like it was the nastiest thing ever. And then I would say, well, there's your problem. How is someone else supposed to get you off 
when the best person for the job has no idea. Yeah, that's, um, I, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. But when I was uh, going to speak at a college somewhere the, uh, a couple of days before someone from the, you know, a journalist from the student paper called me and she said, uh, you know, we were talking and she said, do you think that it's nasty for women to masturbate? And I said, excuse me, <laughs> what are you talking about? And she said, well, a lot of women on campus think it's really gross or nasty for women to masturbate. They think that, you know, yeah, guys jerk off, but women aren't supposed to. And I suddenly felt like th this weird split universe. And was I receiving a call from the 1950s? Uh -huh, yes. Uh, so I asked uh, a couple of uh, college instructors and Melissa was one of them. She said, absolutely. And a, a number of them said, yeah women think it's not right for them to masturbate. I thought, oh my God, we have failed. We have so totally failed uh, in the world of sex education. And we just keep failing left and right. And it doesn't, and it hurts us immensely that we've got the political right, the conservatives who want to, to, do, to, to have no sex education uh -huh. or abstinence only, which is, is I mean, it's been proven time and time again that abstinence-only sex education does not work and that teenage unwanted pregnancies go down when they're given information about how not to get pregnant and maybe how to, how to have pleasure without penis in vagina. You know, when my daughter was in high school, and this is uh, mid-90s, and, uh, and I, uh, I was interviewed by her school paper and um of course palo alto california is a fairly liberal um in area and um i would talk to uh, the kids about doing mutual masturbation if you're in a if you're in a committed serious relationship and you don't want to get pregnant and you don't want to get, get an std touch each other's genitals and to orgasm and that's a much safer way, and, and you can have some fun with it. Mutual masturbation, it, 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 there's something to be said for it, even among adults in sex play. Look, I'll show you how I get myself off, and, and you know, it's entertaining. You can look, and you might get some ideas. Um, it's informative and entertaining to watch your partner masturbate. Well, the, the other thing is, you know, guys expect they should magically be able to reach between a woman's legs and know how to get her off. Yeah. And uh, that's, boy, is that ever wrong and then some. Mm -hmm. uh, not only does she kind of have to show you the first time, but she'll probably have to show you the 10th. You know, you got guys' hands and fingers aren't used to that little tiny motion as opposed to what, you know, we do when we masturbate. Yes, so that's a good point, yes. And, you know, one partner might have wanted you to touch one side of her clitoris and, or the hood of her clitoris. Another partner might have a, you know, different place she wants you to touch. And so there's, um, there's a big learning curve. And we don't tell guys about this. And we don't tell women, you have to teach him. Uh, he does not, he won't magically know. And uh, so there's two messages we need to give is guys, you've got to ask and learn and women, you need to teach. And if you were raised in such a way that you don't know yourself, then it's important for the two of you to explore and learn together. Yep. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm about to go to a family reunion and I uncovered a paper I wrote for my family therapy course in 1980 when I was getting my master's before, years before I got my PhD. And, um, and so in this, in this uh, family uh, drama, as I called it, um, there, is, there are lots of family system messages and all of that. But my mother and father did have a very happy marriage. They were young. It was World War II. They got married in 1941. And um, 
and she said, we grew up together, but they were very, they were very affectionate and demonstrative. And my father, in those days, it was very hard to get any kind of sex education. And my father was bound to determine to be the best lover he could be. And he sought out medical books to just to try to find some information about human sexuality. So I was reminded about all of this and I'm gonna take an annotated copies of, of my family drama, the myths and injunction, multi-generational. And, but you see, we, if, we're, if we're healthy and we want, and we know we're sexual beings, we wanna get the best sex education we can. It's, a, it's it, what are we gonna do though? Porn isn't gonna go away. It just keeps getting broader and broader in its influence. And what do you think we can do about this? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're doing as much as you can do with your platform, which is excellent. And well, I'm, I'm doing what I can. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually got a new project going. Uh, hopefully, uh, in a three or four months, you can tell your listeners about it. I'm uh, again trying to create a situation that speaks to young men. And uh, uh, yes, but it's got to be on their terms. And you have to you understand if you're going to get a message across, whatever you put out there has to compete with the multi-billion dollar video gaming industry for their time. You have to compete with all of Hulu and Netflix. Um, you have to compete with social media. So if you look at what's grabbing at their time and attention, mm -hmm. boy, sex education just isn't it today. Um, so we have to find ways to, to make it that way. Uh, another issue, what I've noticed with my videos is when I would try to do a video that I thought, sex ed video, that I thought was, you know, really more thought provoking and intelligent, um, they'd show it in college courses and have lots of classroom discussions and the teachers would say it was great, but I would notice that maybe if it got five or 10,000 views on YouTube, that was a lot. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I did a video that's about the clitoris and sticking your hands down a woman's pants or the foreskin and getting a guy off who's got a foreskin, that could get millions of views. Mm. So people aren't really interested in thoughtfulness and learning about sex as a bigger concept. It's more a genital concept to them. And so we have to figure out, okay, how do we reach them? How do we put intelligent, get them thinking and get them to be thoughtful within, here's how you're going to get your partner off. <laughs> Am I making sense of how, com how complex this is? It's of course, it's so complex. It's, uh, and I think, all right, so, uh, oh, will you agree to come back in three or four months when you're new project is completed. Oh, I'd be honored. That would be great. Because we, we you need to, we need to get, I, I say we, because I'm also in, in the role of getting out good solid information. And that's why I've had this program, Love, Lust and Laughter since 2010 on Progressive Radio Network. Mm. And, well, and it's, yeah. it's a good platform. And my little book gets information out too. Your big book now in its 10th edition, Guide to Getting It On, really, really reaches so many people in so many countries. So you are you are making you you're making a difference in so many people's lives because I have noticed that when people have a good sexual relationship, it's honest and they communicate well and it's sexy and juicy and fun and playful. Oh my goodness, they are so much closer. Uh, and and it is possible to keep juicy sex going. I'm doing it with my husband. We're now almost 14 years, no, 12 years together. And <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've been in Seattle 14 years, but I've 12 years with Brian, married four and a half. And you know, we keep it lively and fun. And it's so many things go into that, including having a lot of good, solid information. So that's one reason I love the media. I had a show when I lived in Hawaii 
for five years. And it was an in-studio radio show that went to all the neighboring islands. It was, there's so much misinformation that I really look forward to getting out good, solid information with, especially with someone like you, Dr. Paul Johansson. Mm -hmm. Really, it's just incredible. I'm so grateful you're guesting today. So let's let's talk a little bit more. You're going to have this project, and I, but let's be let's talk about. Um, do you want to talk about a little bit more about the, the day that foreplay uh, died? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I was noticing one of one of the paragraphs here said too many of us stopped providing information about foreplay. It would help intercourse fe feel better for women. You're talking about uh, sex uh, educators, I guess. Um, the wonders, talking about the wonders of sex lube. Well, yes, of course, you've got to have lubrication. But, you know, I'm, I, for, for many years, for so many years, I can't remember how many, I have given as homework something that most sex therapists give, and that's sensate focus homework. And that's all over body, full body caressing exercises. And there, and I have a whole chapter in my book about that. Slowing down, giver, receiver, taking turns, um, starting out with, we have all these possibilities from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. And so many people get stuck between the legs. We have other places that really feel good. It really are erogenous zones and we don't know it until we start getting touched there. And so it opens up a lot of doors. Furthermore, these, these exercises, which put off penis in vagina till stage three or even four, guys who have premature ejaculation where they come in a minute or two, and that usually that's considered PE, uh, or, or um, ED, erectile dysfunction, they can just relax. They don't have to worry about having an erection hard enough and all of that, but they're just get, they should be able to get into their, out of, out of their heads and into their bodies. And so many people have trouble doing that. And these exercises can facilitate that. And it's, it's not just uh, about intercourse. There are all these other things. Well, what, one of the reasons uh, sex educators stopped talking about foreplay mm -hmm. and it, it, it was with good intention, which is because they said, well, foreplay, everyone takes that as meaning, here's what you do before you have intercourse. Uh, we want you to do other things and have intercourse. But yeah. here's the problem. For the vast, vast, vast majority of the population, sex is intercourse and we, we need to stop trying to pretend like we're going to change that you know i've tried for 30 years it's not going to change yeah, so i think you're right so we, unfortunately so we, right. so we then need to start saying here's all the wonderful things you should be doing before you have intercourse and those are the things you're talking about diana mm -hmm. the sensate focus things mm -hmm. if we and we say, you know, that will make intercourse even better. Yeah. And then maybe they'll learn by doing that on the way that, hey, maybe there are ways we can get each other off without having intercourse. But if we start with the idea that, no, 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 intercourse is bad. You need to get each other off other ways. People aren't going to listen. And we're really doing people a huge disservice, especially women, because we just go back to saying, okay, the porn model is how it is. That's a very good distinction. Thank you, Paul, for that. So the things you're saying about the sensate focus and all that are so critical, but we have to stop making that as being, we want that to be just as much sex as intercourse. And I think we're failing people when we do that. If we say, hey, it's going to make intercourse so much better, then they're going to listen. And uh, I think there's so many ways we'd like to change the world, but it's not going to happen. We have to listen to how people take things in and what they want. And how can we get positive messages within 
what they're going to listen to and what they need. And uh, in terms of yes. in, in terms of my new project, what I'm doing to try to reach males, it's going to piss off so many female sex educators. I can't begin to tell you because in their world, every message has to be for everybody, whether they're transsexual, whether they're gay, they're lesbian, every message has to speak to everybody. And as I learned when I was first writing my book and I met with a group of gay male uh, people in the publishing industry, I said, you know, I want my book to be the most inclusive book ever written on sex. And we were, we, we were meeting in a wonderful gay and lesbian bookstore in West Hollywood. It was called A Different Light. Uh-huh. Yes. And uh, so these guys pointed, they, they, they stared at me and then they said, do you see that shelf over there? And I said, mm -hmm. yeah. They said, that's the, that's the only shelf in this entire bookstore that we have to dust often. And I said, how come? And they said, that's where the inclusive books on sex are. Huh. They said, do you really think a lesbian wants to buy a book on sex that's got pictures of all these hard dicks that, that you've got look at these pages in your book do you really think a lesbian wants to buy a book on sex that shows a picture of a woman t-balling a guy or, or teabagging a guy having her lips around his balls come on no 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 lesbian who comes in the store wants your damn book that's inclusive mm -hmm. how many and he said how many gay guys do you think want to buy this book that's got pictures of of this guy with his mouth between a woman's legs. Yeah. Gonna make the gay guys vomit. Right. They just can't relate. Yeah, that's right. So he said, you know, they said, do you wake up every morning thinking about cock and dicks? I said, no. Well, then stop pandering to us. If that's not your experience, write what you know. Stop trying to be another goddamn sex educator who thinks everything has to be inclusive and, you know, you think that by putting a picture or making a few pronoun changes and calling it this, that, and the other, that it speaks to guys who are gay or lesbians. It doesn't. And so that was a really valuable lesson to me early on. I really thought about that. I like that lesson. And it, there's a lot of truth to it. My goodness. Yeah. So it, if you, you know, and I, I, darn well know that gay men need a very different message than, than straight, straight guys. Bisexual men need a very different message from bisexual women, yet we treat them the same. We say, oh, you're bisexual. Everyone's going to accept it. Bullshit. Mm -hmm. People expect that women will be sexually fluid. It, it's no problem there. Um, but if you look at mainstream porn, if it says bisexual, do you think it ever includes two males and a female? No, it's always two women having sex. That's, right. That's how they define bisexual. Huh. Uh, any male who's bisexual, they've done, they've done polls of, of women and other people. They don't trust them. Gay men think that any guy who says he's bisexual is just afraid to come out as gay. And so, so do um, a lot of women. And so, in, in fact, uh, there was a... a, a uh, a wonderful uh, editor or associate editor of a student newspaper in San Luis Obispo a couple of years ago, he said, you know, I'm a bisexual guy. And I thought, cool, I'll just come out as bisexual. He said, worst decision ever. People no longer trust me. Gay people think I'm lying. Straight people think I'm, I'm just, you know, not accepting that I'm gay. And yet we know that a certain percentage of males, maybe two, three percent, are truly bisexual. Mm -hmm. But we treat them like uh, they're bisexual women. And we say, oh, you need to come out as bisexual. No, if you're a bisexual male, you need to do a good job of understanding where that's going to go if you tell all your friends. Uh, where, yeah. So we've got to stop pretending everyone is the same. They're not. That's an amazingly strong message and so true. Stop. And, yeah. So yes, yeah, stop pretending everybody's the same. And um, you know, for we've now got this woke thing with everything has to be uh, transgender positive. Well, here's the story. 
I've got a feeling a lot of the people on the left really have never met anyone who's truly transgender because if you're if you were born male and you decide to change sex, you're having thousands and thousands of dollars of really painful surgery done, having your penis removed, having uh, a, a vagina and turned in, you know, your pelvis turned into a vagina, having breast implants. And just think of all the painful electrolysis. That's right. Okay. You go through that. And the first thing you want to be known as a woman, you want them to call you a girl. You want them to whistle at you and do all the things that we say are objectifying to women. Hell, they've gone through all that. And nothing makes them happier than if some guy says, honey, you look great. You look hot. That's right. That's right. It's yeah. quite different <laughs> for us. And transgender same, same thing for, you know, someone who's biologically born a woman and she goes through all the hell of becoming a, 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 a you know, turning her body into more male. She wants to be a guy. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really even want to be known as a trans man. She wants to be known as a dude. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, people all in sex education and everything, we got to say, oh, well, we can't say a woman or a man. We have to say a person assigned female at birth. Oh, and that, we become so, the semantics have become so precise and politicized a little bit. And, and here's the trouble. When our daughter was growing up, did my wife and I, you know, really screw her over by telling her, you need to be proud that you're a woman. Oh my God, were we supposed to have said, you need to be proud that you're a person who was assigned female at birth? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and now I was just, when I read articles in medical journals, it pisses me off. There was one on pregnancy the other day in the Journal of American Medical Association. It didn't talk about a pregnant woman. It talked about pregnant persons. Oh, please. Oh, please. That's way gone way too far. Oh, my goodness. It's like so afraid of offending people. (laughs) It's like, wait a minute, a woman. Do you think there's a single guy? I don't care how trans he claims he is, who's had to have period cramps every damn month (laughs) that or carry a or carry a baby for nine, ten months. And oh, my God. It may be one reason that women are considered the stronger sex. (laughs) That's a woman thing. And we need to tell women they need to be proud of themselves. That's right. You need to be proud you're a person assigned female at birth? No, no, that that sounds just odd. I always told told my daughter, honey, you can be anything you want to be when you grow up. But that was referring to her career. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, she, and she always was very feminine and wanted the dolls, but I, I gave her little trucks and things like that because I was a soft yeah. mother. Then along comes my son three years later, later, I gave him some dolls and trucks and all of that. He went right for the trucks and the cars, made the sounds, he mm-hmm. ignored the dolls. So in my, in the case of my kids, they were, they were little girls and little boys, no problem. I mean, they identified it as that, and we treated them as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, on my latest sex survey. Paul, I, where your, your sound is somewhat diminished. Oops, I'm sorry. Are you okay? Are yeah, we better? Yeah, that's good. That's good. In, in my latest sex survey, I asked hundreds and hundreds of women, what do you want to see in a male partner? Yeah. You wouldn't have believed it. Uh, words like strong, mm-hmm. solid, reliable. I mean, it, it could have been from the 1950s, man. I was thinking that it, could have been from the 1950s. Except the only difference, you know, the wanted in a male no different from (laughs) years and years ago i was shocked no one said you know i want a guy who wears my panties um 
I, I want a guy who gets weepy and cries when he comes home from work and has had a bad day. <laughs> no, they don't want that. Uh, well, the only you know, people, well, the only people who say that men should be that way are sex educators. Well, it's just stupid, and they're ignoring the evolutionary part. You know, you me- you remember the book Sex at Dawn by Christopher? Yeah, Rock? yeah. So he, he talks a lot about the evolutionary ways that we've come, and from from a ancient woman she she when communities shared everything including sex this is before agriculture um so she might she's pregnant and she might not know who the father of her child is but if if one of the men would bring her food when she's in a more vulnerable state uh she would probably have sex with him and thank him for it she'd want so from an evolutionary point of view we want a strong man who can protect us and make us mm-hmm. feel safe that's yes in our do you think that's we could say it's in our dna code i i think it is and it doesn't and there, mean and yes and there are of course people that feel differently and from and i'm not disputing the, the the trans people but but it is we want to be protected and um feel safe with it with a man most and, most and we're not talking some caveman dude who goes out and has to lift, uh, you know, bench press 400 pounds. <laughs> but, you know, we're talking about someone who is solid, who is trustworthy, who you can rely on. Yeah. Uh, you know, that. You know, Paul, I'm hearing the music. And so we're going to have to. And this program, it has been fascinating, and I just can't wait now to have you back in three or four months to hear about your newest project with males, young males, and how to reach them. Well, thank you. That's so kind of you. I appreciate it having me on. Well, I'm thrilled, and I'm looking forward to having you back. So in my show notes, everybody, I will put the ways that you can reach Paul. And Paul, I'm going to contact you to see a little bit more information about your ebook. Because the colorized illustrations are rather intriguing. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And I hope you'll take some of this information and put it into service. That could start by getting Dr. Paul's book, Guide to Getting It On. Maybe the best book ever written about stress. Anyway, goodbye, everybody. Have some fun. (laughs) 